this is that other sports show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, through all the technical difficulties we've endured over the last couple of days, we have figured it out, supposedly, apparently so, and we are ready to hit you with another episode of That Other Sports Show, hosted by me, Jesse Thomas, and my man on the other side, who's hopefully preparing right now, and you know what I'm talking about, Mr. Jason Valdez. I'm hoping that... Uh... We do not spend seventy five minutes recording the show, talking shit, hit stop, and then it doesn't it doesn't stick. But we'll find out. We've done it before. We've done it before. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen. We've recorded a handful of podcasts that have never seen the air that we walked away from and went that was a gem, and no one ever heard it. So we have had, as Jesse said, we had a technical difficulty. I believe it was yesterday that made us walk away from recording. We regrouped. We are trying again. And as of now, it seems like it's working. So, Jesse, I am good. It is not raining. It is sunny outside. It is still windy as fuck. But there is no storm warnings. There no are snow. no flood. There's no flooding no warnings. For the first time in a few days, I'm able to walk on the side of my house with flip-flops or with slides on without my As feet or socks getting that, wet. That, that's the way nature intended you to do. And shit was just rising. It was weird. So it's not. It's nice to kind of come around. We're coming around slowly but steadily. There is a, a large sum of news to get to. There is MMA stuff. There is football stuff. There is basketball stuff. I am watching the... Uh, NCAA tournament as we speak. Jesse and I will not speak one take on this tournament. We will not give you one basketball take this week. <laughs> so if you've tuned in listening for our final four, you ain't getting it. No. If you're tuning in wanting to get some Warriors takes, some six, seven, eight West takes, who's going to take the six, the seven, the eight? Are the Lakers going to make it? We're not giving you that this week. We're giving you MMA. We're giving you some fight recaps. We're giving you some fight pickums, so you can hopefully win some money. There are two intriguing co-main events here this weekend, and we're going to do a little bit of NFL on the backside because there's been some interesting moves this offseason this past few days, including Aaron Rodgers, who finally moved, and Lamar Jackson, who may not move, and that might get messy. So, But let's start. Let's start here, Jess. You and I both watch, and I'm not going to try and say my man's name a bunch of times because you know me. I have to start this show by butchering somebody's uh, name. But Mirab Devashali, I believe, I don't know how to say it, took on Peter Yan. This was a fun fight. On paper, it looked like a fun fight. I believe they delivered. I have some Peter Yan thoughts, but I want to start here, Jess. Give me your thoughts on this fight. Uh, we've heard in MMA that volume sometimes speaks louder than words. And if you want to talk volume, Merab shot volumes of everything. He had like 40 takedown attempts. I think he only landed like three of them or something, but like just yeah, the 37 pure, or something, just the pure volume of strikes and takedown attempts and submission attempts by Merab was amazing. 
I don't know if we've seen a gas tank quite like this guy's in a very long time. Like, he did not run out of gas, not for one second of this fight, which was it was it was a fun fight. If you want to think about in terms of like where both these guys are going to end up on the back end of this fight, like it was a fun fight because a lot of people for a long time, including, I believe, yourself and myself, have thought uh, very highly of Peter Yan. Mm-hmm. We've thought that he's kind of like, you know, uh, he he's he's kind of he was supposed Perennial to be the pound next for pound. big thing. Perennial pound for pound. There was at one point in time where people were talking he was number three pound for pound. And the guy hadn't even really won a quality fight yet. And so now here we are. The guy's older. He's he's uh, he's been in some fights. His record doesn't necessarily speak to the pound for pound rankings. I don't think he's now 16 and five after this fight. Marab is 16 and four, but here's the thing, Jay, you always talk about trending up, trending down. And if I have to put a label on both of these guys, I'm trending down Peter and I'm trending up Marab. I'm so glad you brought this up because here's where my head's at here. This is, this is the take I wanted to give on, on Jan. And I've given this take on previous fighters. I, 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 this is, this is like my, my, my Michael Chandler take right now too. I don't think there's any shame in losing three straight fights when you lose to the best in the world. I think it's another thing if you are, you know, trading wins and losses, but you're trading them at the bottom of the division or the, or the 10 to 15 range. That's one thing. I think it's another when you lose to the world champion, you lose to a guy that's ranked in the top three, and then you lose to a guy that is, again, probably trending up and will probably be fighting for the belt this year, if not next. So I don't have a problem with Peter Young losing those fights. I don't know if I'm comfortable gauging him at a trending down, per se, but if I'm taking fighter A and fighter B and saying one guy's trending up, one guy's trending down, that's fair. But his overall career... I don't, I'm not going to assess at a trending down yet because if he went in there and he beat like a top, I don't know, five to 10 guy easily, we immediately go, well, this is just a stylistic thing. And, and Jan was just on the bad end of, of top tier guys. So not ready to stick a fork in Jan yet. And I still think he has some upside. And although he did lose pretty much every round of that fight, they were all competitive rounds. They were competitive. It, both both it, both it men both men took damage. Both men did not come out of that fight looking clean. Mareb had bumps and bruises. Mm-hmm. Jan had a busted up eye. Like mm-hmm. both guys were in a it was a war. And yeah. I like where your head's at as far as like you don't want to say that Jan is is on the downside of things. But here's my take. He has been fighting the best of the best and losing. If you want to be the best of the best, you need to win those fights. You need to prove yourself on that scale. The UFC is global, and everybody's eyes are watching you on the in the MMA community, and then you've got all these people who've got money on you, and just a lot of things are riding on these fights. And in himself, <coughs> his career is riding on these fights so, no, there's no shame in losing these fights. But if you want to be the man, the guy that, mm-hmm. that people have claimed that yeah. you're a, a top pound for pound, you need to find a way to win these fights. Well, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And there's our wrestling reference. It took us about eight minutes, but we've made it. And you're <laughs> right. That, that is a true touche uh, 
you know, counterpoint is to be the man. You got to beat the man. And when you lose to the champ, when you lose to Sugar Sham, and when you lose to Marab, who are all training up guys who are considered the future of the division, where does that leave you? Kind of leaves you, you know, as odd man out. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him next. Would not be surprised if in a year from now he's right back in that mix. Because, again, I thought he won the Sugar Sean fight. And I also thought, although he lost every round, this was a competitive fight, which sounds like an oxymoron, right? It's difficult to be in a competitive fight that you lose every round. But MMA is just kind of like that, right? If we're scoring this like a pride fight, I'm like, man, this is like a 60-40 fight where I'm going to give it to Marab, but if I'm looking at it from a percentage-wise, it's like a 60-40. But when we're going round-per-round scoring, it's just these are close rounds that I'm giving to Marab because, he, like you said, he's just doing so much. His activity, his aggression, even if he's not scoring, the intent is there. I'm a big believer in if you're scoring a fight and if a fighter is attempting submissions, Even if he's not getting those submissions, the fact that he's attempting them shows me he's attempting to finish this fight. He's looking to close and end this fight. That means something on my personal scorecard. So when I see Marab shooting for all these takedowns, working, 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 just grinding, it's like a, it it takes me back to the the muscle shark, Sean Shirk. It It reminds me of... Couture when he was fighting Brock Lesnar and he was just up in his shit and he was just up in his cage, up in his in his phone booth and basically, hey, when I want to wrestle with you, I'm going to, when you want to box, I'm going to wrestle and when you want to wrestle, I'm going to box and just got, just really fucking throws you off your game and Marab would just, I mean, absolute stellar performance from him. So don't want to take away anything from Marab, of course, just a stellar performance and I, I, that mix, dude, of Sterling, Sugar Sean, and him, as well as Jan, that to me feels like a real fun little mix, right? I don't think that there's one true dominant guy like we talked about John Jones last week where we went, well, he's just oh, going to beat nice. all these guys. Yep, I think that these guys are interchangeable parts, and I could see Jan beating Sean one day. I could see Sean beating Marab one day. I could see Aljamain beating Sean. So we got that mix. I think it's going to be good. I think, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot, Just The uh, activity in this division is going to be great this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for this division. The Bantamweight division, I've said for a long time, I've said that the bottom three lowest divisions in the UFC are the most competitive. They are the meat grinder of the UFC. There's so many interchangeable top five guys that can beat one guy one week, lose the next guy the next week. Like, it's it's just, it's tough. The Bantamweight division is extremely tough. And uh, for your point on Jan... Because it is so tough and so competitive, it does keep Jan, even though on a losing streak, available because he can still beat one of these top three, top five guys and then get right back into the mix. So the losses almost don't even count. They, they, they're, they're, they're shadows on his record, but they're not necessarily holding him back. Because in that division, you are always like one fight away from a possible title shot. And let's not even forget that Triple C is back in the mix mm, to fight Aljamain Sterling. 
So if you bring back a healthy, motivated, in shape, ready to fight Triple C, now the Bantamweight division is looking crazy stacked. And and if I'm a UFC fan, you are not you should be nothing but happy that the Bantamweight division is so stacked like it is. I am looking at this weekend's 286 and the early prelims slash prelims, Jess, my personal take, kind of mama mid. Nothing in there that really jumps out. No super sexy names. No super sexy fights. Not saying they won't be great or competitive. Just saying nothing in there that really, uh, you know, uh, tickles my pickle, if you will. Jess, any thoughts? Any thoughts on the prelims? My big thought is this. Why is Marvin Vittori fighting uh, the leads? I, I I don't I but don't even not, I don't even not, know much. That's about, not a prelim fight, is it? No, it's not. But I'm just saying, okay. like, no, I don't know there. much about this guy. Vittori seemingly has made a name for himself in this sport, and he's beaten uh, some I've, really tough guys. So, like, I've, why I've, why are we fighting this guy? Why is the UFC throwing him this kind of up and coming you know guy? Like, are they ready to pull the rug out uh, on Vittori, or or what's the deal? The, what's your take? Well, I, I I think this is one of those unique fights where they're hoping that Roman stylistically can give Vittori fits because they've got to move this division around and find some new young blood uh, because Vittori's already been you know chewed up and spit out, if you will, when it comes to the championship picture. When you get a guy like Roman in there, you throw if he beats Vittori all of a sudden now he jumps right into the top five rank wise. And so they're looking for fights post Izzy uh versus the kiddies fight. His name escapes me right now. Uh Pereira, uh, which is in like two weeks. So you know, and and, and Roman might be that guy. Yeah. So let's start there, Jason. I'm gonna give you my take right now Roman versus Marvin. I'm coming Roman. I think Roman is going to be able to do a little bit of grappling, a little ground and pound, a little takedown magic. I think he's going to be able to beat Marvin here. I think it's going to be a closer fight, uh, but I like Roman two out of the three rounds. Jess, who you got? Uh, Roman has some very quality wins in, in his past five fights. He's four and one in his past five with his last three being finishes. So he's he's a finisher and 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 obviously when you can have when you have that ability to to finish fights uh you know you're definitely going to crank yourself up the rankings. Um it, uh Hermanson is his biggest win out of those and then I look at Vittori's body of work and I mean it's just it's insane and he does also have a win against Hermanson and his only his last two losses uh were uh UFC 263 against Izzy which was the title fight. And then he lost to uh, Robert Whitaker in a super uber competitive fight uh, at at a UFC fight night not too long ago. So I mean, he's I'm got gonna, incredible I, wins. I he's got more than just credible wins, and his losses go along the same lines you were talking about, Peter Yan. Where if you're gonna lose, lose to the yeah. champ, lose to the top ranked yep. guys. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go Vittori. I think Vittori's the machine. He his striking is so crisp and clean. His jujitsu is very very slick. He can he can pull subs out of nowhere. Uh, I think Roman is going to get in, in in a little over his head as far as trying to grapple with Marvin and not take into account how good he is actually on the ground. I'm going to go Vittori submission. You uh um uh round th- two round two. I like it. Jennifer Maya, 
She's taking on Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill on minus one seventy five. So odds aren't looking too crazy here, Jess. So you got. Uh, this is one of those fights where the UFC is trying to plug and play like their new mm-hmm. sweetheart. And I hate to, you know, mm-hmm. make it sound sexist, but that's just kind of how I feel. Casey O'Neill has uh, has a, a, a great record right now, 9-0 in her young, young career. And yes, she's had some quality wins. But again, I'm taking into account, like, how has, has she managed with the upper class of the division? And Jennifer Maya is kind of been a back and forth a little bit, but she's been in some wars and she's got some very credible wins. And once again, I'm going to go, uh, her jujitsu is what's going to be the difference. Her grappling and ground game, I think she's going to catch uh, Miss O'Neill on the ground. Uh, O'Neill's very heavy-handed when she's ground, ground with her ground and pound. One little slip, and I mean, you know, you have the last name Maya, you know what I mean? I'm just going to go back and say, you don't, you don't fuck around with somebody with the last name Maya when they're a Brazilian jujitsu artist. <laughs> I'm going to go Jennifer Maya armbar submission round one with the upset. Yeah, I'm just looking back at her uh, at O'Neill's previous fights, and she was in the the Montefiore retirement fight. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, you know what, Jess? You nailed it. I, I feel to me like this is Casey's first true uh, test in the division. And uh, I'm not too sure if Jennifer Maya is ready to be gatekeeper, ready to play that role. I like Jennifer Maya here. I like Jennifer's grappling. I think she's going to be a little bit better, uh, more well-rounded in all departments, whether it's the grappling, the stand-up, the kickboxing. Uh, I like Jennifer here uh, via decision. I'm going to go with another decision. And I think she wins. I'm going to give her, I'm going to say another, I'm going to give us clean sweep here. I think she's going to win all three of these rounds. So I'm going to go 30-27. We got Gunnar Nelson versus Brian. Always comes the bang. Barbarina. I haven't looked at it yet. Isn't Brian Barbarina the last guy that beat uh, Robbie Lawler? I'm going to look at it right now. Uh, It also, yeah. Oh, no, he lost to Dos Santos. So I was wrong. Uh, I feel like. Are they fighting in Gunnar Nelson's home country? Why is Gunnar? He, they are, right? Why is yes, Gunnar Nelson it's, this? It's, it's, why is he this high on the card? I uh, I believe it's in London, and so it's uh, somewhere near. It makes all the sense in it's the world. So it's it's a, it's in Europe, right? And so we, you know, that's it what makes all it makes all it makes, the sense. It makes the a difference, right? Uh, I'm a bit shocked that Gunnar is such a heavy Huge. favorite. Big favorite. Uh, is I don't I'm I'm at a loss of words. It, Bar- well, let me say this: Barbera is a let's bang bro, and Gunner I believe has really good grappling. If I correct me if I'm wrong, just I got to look at what he's got going on. He's got uh, 12 wins by submission, so he definitely has got some grappling. All right, yeah. so the cla- the classic let's bang bro versus the grappler is that can the let's bang bro knock him out? Can he catch him? Coming inside, can he use those big overhand rights, uppercuts, knees, to catch a gunner shooting, or is gunner going to be able be slick enough, be well versed enough to get those trip takedowns and get those next level, whatever it takes to get you to the ground uh, type of fights? I like gunner here. I mean, the odds. It's so funny because if you didn't show me the odds, I would go, man, I kind of like Barbarina <laughs> knockout. If you didn't show me the odds. But I'm so influenced, and, and I and you know I say this every once in a while, Jess. 
I don't. I think the odds makers in when it comes to the U to just combat sports are the worst of any odds makers. There's so many times I'm watching basketball games and we'll gamble on a basketball game and I'll go, oh fuck the the over under was 220 and the, and it was the game the score was 222. Like God, they're so good at this. Uh, you know, football. There's so many times we do spread shows and we come back and we go, wow, Vegas is pretty fucking on last week. When it comes to combat sports, they're just not the best. And and with MMA, they're not the best. So um, with all that said, after me just absolutely shitting on the Vegas Sharks, <laughs> I am once again telling you to bet on Gunnar Nelson. Uh, Gunnar Nelson's submission round two, because I've seen Barbarina gas so many times. He's going to fight off a slew of takedowns, trip takedowns, uh, and he's going to get caught sometime in the second round, get choked out. Uh Jessica, did I get? Did you give us your pick? Did you got no, uh, you, you know what? I, I'm on the same wavelength as you with this fight. Uh, I think Barbarina is—he's definitely coming to his own. He's had some really big wins. Uh, Matt Brown, uh, he—you know—a couple other. That's just a big, let's bang bro versus he, let's bang bro. When you have a exactly when you put when the styles make fights, right? Like that's just the way it sure. is. When you have two let's bang bros, anything can happen. Like you know, someone's probably gonna get knocked out. But this is a this is a, a, a cage savvy vet versus a let's bang bro. And now, don't get me wrong, Barbarina has grown in his in his skill set, but not to the fact that I don't. I just don't see him being able to avoid the trip takedowns. I don't see him being a, being able to avoid the takedowns in general. Gunner generally comes in he, the heavier guy. I think that he cuts quite a bit to to get to welterweight. So he's going to be the bigger, heavier guy. He's going to get the takedowns. He's going to smother. And then eventually, uh, I in agreement with you, I think it's going to be a, probably a second-round submission for Gunnar. Uh, Justin Gaethje, he just called himself the most exciting MMA fighter of all time. I think that was the quote. He, he, the, has, the he ever most... watched, has he ever watched a Vanderlei Silva fight? I mean, I, I would say they're pretty I mean, comparable. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying that he's right. But I, yeah, you know, that's a pretty good comparison. The most, yeah, the, the most, the most, uh, the most violent fighter. I mean, the most violent, violent dude fighter, uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to think of now that you said that, and I never really put now that it's just in my brain. Is anyone more violent than Vanderlei? Probably I don't, not, I don't think right? so. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably Wait, takes the cake. I know that we're I supposed to be really talking hard. about Justin Gaethje and Fizia, but I'm going to tell you yeah, right, we'll now, right now, Vandalay Silva, he he went into every fight thinking, I'm either going to get knocked out or I'm going to knock the guy out. Like, there's the no other way around this. The problem is this. I've seen video of Vanderlei headbutting guys in fights when it was allowed. <laughs> like, he's in those Valley Tudo fights where they, uh, headbutts are allowed. So Shout out to Valley Tudo, man. Uh, and then I've seen him and pride where soccer kicks were allowed and you could basically murder capitate. <laughs> so I've seen him like that. I've seen him almost murder Rampage Jackson. <laughs> I've seen him almost murder a lot of smaller Japanese fighters. Like they were bad. Like yeah, I just don't feel like you know you still I mean you see guys get beat up pretty badly in the UFC, but Vanley was murdering guys. Yeah, you're right. And let's not but let's I, not even forget the fact that Vanderlei like fought heavier and lighter. I mean, he fought Mirko yeah, Krokop for was, gosh sakes. I mean, <laughs> Justin yeah, Gaethje, Justin Gaethje probably would agree to fight Mirko, but like, no. I, let you me know say I mean? this. So, yeah, I want to do that now. I want to play that game. If you took Justin and you stuck him in a time machine, he's not going down there and being fucking Kevin Randleman. He, he's, no, he's he's, he's, he's going to be equally as violent. He's going to be equally as violent. 
So that man, that's a that that's that's but again, with that said, I have the tape, I have the footage, I've seen how violent Vanley is, and he's just a little bit more violent because he was allowed to be. Not yeah, saying Justin, point. if you give Justin the opportunity, if you said, Hey Justin, you go to Japan fight dream, you be sarcastic guys, you fucking uh, you know, basically suplexes, like, you know what I mean? Like really drop them on their heads, on the crown of their heads with the intent of breaking their necks. I think he'd be down. <laughs> He probably uh, would. He's, okay. he's, he's so, a little bit crazy, and he is kind of a violent fighter. So, but he said, but so the reason again, so to wrap around, he said this in a recent interview. He said he's the most exciting fighter of all time, not the most violent, because we turn that into most violent quickly, and the violence and entertainment go hand in hand if you're a combat sports fan. Let's keep it real, right? We're out that's, for blood. That's the way it is. We, we just we want to just we want to write just bleed on our foreheads. We don't give a fuck. Um. All right, Justin Gaethje. Raphael Fizia. We just spent all this time talking about Justin, and now I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna pick right against this fucking guy. Justin, you got. So, it, I think as far as violent goes, I think well-rounded uh, overall. Raphael Fiziev is he's a monster. Yep. I just think that he's a beast, and and he's a beast on the ground. His grappling is good. Uh, his striking obviously is very good. Like he's super heavy-handed. He's the younger fighter. He's been through less wars, so like the chin is still, you know, up to date. It's been up. It's been updated mm, a couple times, good. right? Le- less wear and tear. Less, less wear and tear. I love. I, I I don't want anybody who listens to this to think that I am shitting on Justin Gaethje at all. I love that guy. He is yep. he is phenomenal. He's a good dude. Like his interviews are super awesome. Like they have nothing but positive things to say. So about this intense, man. but he's been through wars wars and we've At seen it happen to our too. favorites when they go through wars eventually man that chin gets checked and i think that Raphael fiziev is gonna get the number called and he's gonna chin check justin gaethje we use trending up trending down early but this might be the true uh tale of the tape i think that as you said jess when Justin came over from what was it, World Series of Fighting, X amount of years ago, it was like three. Was it World Series of Fighting or some some unique nothing, not Bellator, where we went okay, like this guy's coming up to a whole nother level. And I still remember, uh, you know, his first few fights, thinking he's in these competitions where he's 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 probably going to lose because he's just fighting at a higher skill level now. And then he's, he went on a tear, an absolute tear. But within all those fights, Jess, is the wear and tear as well. And yep. the physical, just every fight he's in is so physical. And it just makes me wonder how physical he is in training and sparring and all that shit. So um, I, want, I, I just look at this fight and say trending up versus trending down. I think Justin has had his run. He's been able to fight. At the top tier, top level. If if you had told me that Justin's gonna make it all the way to the championship fights and be in different championship fights and be competitive in them, uh, I I don't know if I would have agreed with you when he came from World Series of Fighting. So uh, he proved me wrong there. Yeah. But uh, but I, I I'm I'm with you. I think Fiziev is just a more total fighter, a more well-rounded fighter. And unless he says I'm gonna stand and bang. Unless he says, I'm going to drop my fight IQ a few points and I'm just going to try and really show that I'm the tougher guy. Um, 
he should win. I don't want to say easily because no fight against Justin. No, it, it's easy. This, but he fight, this fight will be he should be able to. Win. He should be. He should be able to dictate the fight, and yeah. he should be able to select the pace, and he should be able to go. I'm gonna show you trip takedowns, and I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna run the pipe a two or time, even if I'm not getting it. Just to make you respect that, so you know it's a it's not a fucking kickboxing fight, and you're not gonna sit here and just turn this into a Muay Thai fight. Nah, this is a fucking MMA fight, and I'm gonna show you that you know within that second, third, fourth round, we can grapple a little bit, we can pump each other up against the cage a little bit, and turn this into more of a combat sports, a mixed martial arts fight, and that's where Justin's going to. Show that wear and tear. Is this a five round fight? I don't think it is. I don't believe so. And that, and I think that the fact that it's a three round fight, if anything, uh, bodes well for Gaethje because he yep. he has less yep. he has less rounds. Try to his, his his gas tank doesn't have to be that good. Here's my theory. Here's my theory, Jess. Uh, Justin wins because he wins the first round. The second round's kind of even, and the judge gives it to fucking Justin. And then the third round is when Fizzy, Raphael kind of turns it on and starts to warm up and starts to cruise, and it's too late because this is a fucking three-round fight, not a five-round fight. I'm well, clicking on this fight to find out if it's a five-round fucking fight. How do I, I, I believe it's a three-round the three round fight, and even if it was five, if it's five, I'm definitely going it's way different. If it's well, five-round yeah, yeah, fight, I'm going right. by decision. But I'm going to say, I'm just going to step Maybe out onto so. the ledge right now and say Fiziev finishes Gaethje. Uh, wow. by, I, and, and I think that he's going to finish him TKO. Fiziev has been, bad. if you look at the last few guys that Fiziev has beaten, like they are some of the best of the best in the business. Yeah. And, and this was before he was considered to be a better fighter. And he's finishing these fools. This guy, this guy's a Terminator. And he's going to go in there. And like you said, he's going to dictate the pace. He's going to dictate where the fight goes, if it's on the ground, if it's standing up. And two things, the only two things that will affect this, fights down to the mouthpiece and just goes to war. I think that that's an, an upper hand for Gaethje because that's the type of style of fight that Gaethje wins or at least super competitive in. Uh, second thing is like we talked about earlier, if it's a three-round fight yeah. and Justin Gaethje can somehow steal a round or two and then make Fizzy have to kind of come back and look yep. for a finish. It's super hard to come back and try to finish when you know that's the only way that you're going to win the fight. Yeah, so, that would be good. That, that That's that's a very good point. So if that happens, it, these are the only ways I see yes. Justin winning that fight. Is But, again, but overall, I, I firmly believe that Fizzy is the overall better competitor as far as skill set and everything. He's, like you said, he's just the more complete athlete, the more complete fighter. Yeah, I'm in a, I I lost my UFC page too, so I got to go back to that as well. But that's a uh, interesting stuff, Jess. I think that's I think that's where we're at with that fight. Uh, I'm a big trending up Fiziev guy, and I'm very interested in seeing what he does in that division. And Justin might be in that spot where he could be fighting the super fights. He could be fighting co-main events against studs. Uh, maybe guys that are, you know, I don't want to say uh, gatekeeping per se, but maybe that five to seven in the division, right? Fiziev is six, but, but clearly trending up. All right, Jess, Leon Edwards, he's the world champion. He shocked the world. He was losing four rounds to nothing. He hits Usman with a kick. It was a kick he practiced. It was one of those things. He drilled it 
while uh, working with the guys and training. You know, we watch it. You hear fighters these days say they watch video. They're looking for things. And he said he saw something here and drilled it. It worked. Credit to him. Uh, does not matter. He's still a pretty decent dog in this fight, Jess. Uh, I'm trying to get you back to the UFC page so I can see the the odds. Here we are. I see him. I see him at a plus one ninety five. So he's basically a two to one. Uh, who you got? So uh, we've also mentioned this several times when it comes to uh, even football games. You know, you put two teams together, you play them ten times. You know, one team maybe gets one win, but the other team wins the other nine. Uh, that that's how I feel about this fight. Uh, Kamaru Usman already beat Leon Edwards, I believe it was back in 2016. Obviously, that was before Edwards, you know, kind of rise in the sport. Um, and then uh, here we are now, where Leon catches him with that crazy uh, kick. Uh, he he planned it much like uh, um, Alexa Grasso versus Shevchenko, right? Like you know, she she trained, she drilled that drill, uh, and and it worked for her. And now she's the champ. Uh, Leon Edwards did the same thing before uh, Grasso did, and she, he just he drilled it and drilled it, drilled it. Said that his team saw something with Usman, and he 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 uh, made it happen, and he became the world champ. Great moment in time. Leon Edwards is a good guy. It's nice to see you know these these good people win championships, especially when they they kind of come from that underdog status. Yeah. But this is one of those nine out of ten times. Usman wins nine yeah. times out of ten. And yeah. now we're moving forward. This is match number three, and Usman's gonna come and get his belt back. He's the he's the better athlete. He's the better, he's got the better skill set. He's stronger, he's faster. I mean, he is he is a hybrid athlete and he can do so many things. And where he went wrong in his last fight was he got comfortable with the pace. I agree with you a million percent there. That's a I, very good I, point, Jeff. I believe that he just got comfortable with the pace of the fight because he was the one controlling the pace, yep. and he let his guard down for that half a second and then took a shin to the face. That happens in sports. That happens in, in all sports. You you put your guard down, You anything can happen, especially in combat sports, right? Well, that's what happened. But now what we're going to see is a very motivated and very hungry Kamaru Usman I believe that he's going to come in and finish Leon Edwards and get his belt back. We'll talk about this. I'll bring this back up. I'm going to cough for a second. <clears throat> uh, we're going to talk about this in a week or two when we talk about the um, the Stylebender fight. But when I when I compare this and the Stylebender fight, I think Stylebender style was doing like you discussed. It was a pace. Plus, he got a little bit tired. Yeah, and, good point. Uh, Pereira, Pereira was able to take advantage of him, caught him right at the right time, and was able to finish him. This, to me, is a little bit different, and this is exactly what you were saying, which is Usman was controlling the pace of the fight. He was dictating the fight. He was doing whatever he wanted. He was um, doing the, how do you say, the out UFCing stuff, the, uh, the, the scoring, you know, basically doing the GSP, 170 champion uh, blueprint, if yeah. you will, right? He was doing that great thing where he was able to um, just do what I don't want to say do enough to win rounds, but um, do dictate the pace. That's the best way I could describe it is just dictate the pace of the fight um, to where it's impossible to score it for uh, Leon. And he did it for four out of the five rounds. And was doing it going into that fifth round. I don't know what. Not, what didn't he only have like a minute left before the I fight say was there over? Was, there might have been two. There might have been two. But he was winning that fifth round. Yes. 
when he got caught. And uh, one of those things happens in sports, happens in combat sports. Like you said, Jess, your analysis is the absolute best. Nine out of ten times, I believe Usman wins this fight. Now, if we want to try and say, you know, how does Edwards win this fight again? I believe it is in his home country, so maybe you got that. Usman is 35. I look at his age and go, maybe finally Father Time has caught up with him. And, and, and you know, fighting at the highest level at that age isn't easy. So may, maybe there's that. But I think that this is an easy win for Usman. I think Usman comes back in and does the exact same thing and wins five out of the five rounds. I rewatched this fight a few, a few I want to say maybe 10 days ago, and uh, I got bored with it. I yeah. saw I, I I there was maybe in the third or the fourth round I started I started working I started doing other stuff I I walked away from it going well let me come back to the fifth round because I, I know what's coming it's difficult for me to like go okay let me watch this fight back and see if I can see anything that might happen in this third fight no because it was just he, Usman did whatever he wanted he fucking dictated the pace and I think he's gonna dictate the pace for twenty five minutes he's not looking for blood. I, I think, if anything, maybe he'll be a little bit gun-shy to really, really engage with Edwards. If Edwards is able to take advantage of that, maybe. We'll see. But I I don't know. I like Usman in a boring fight. Uh, I think Fiziev and Justin's going to be so exciting. And this fight's going to be the exact opposite. I think it's going to be boring. And uh, I'm going to stay home and watch this fight because my ass might be falling asleep. Uh, bootlegging this fight sometime between the fourth and the fifth round, and I could just, you know, I could just fall asleep. I could just, you know, just a little snooze or lose, if you will. The, the greatest champions typically will lose at some point in time, and then they come back and they game plan to get that loss back. GSP mm -hmm. did it against, um, I can't remember the little, Matt Sarah. yeah, Matt Sarah. He did it against Matt Sarah, right? Again, yeah. another fight that. Even at that point in time, GSP was winning the fight and then got caught, right? And yeah. then he game-planned, he came back, and he absolutely dominated Sarah. This is going to be almost the exact same blueprint for Kamaru Usman. Usman is about as close to GSP as the welterweight division seen and he's going to come in he's going to study the tape he's going to study the film he is a true uh he's a true uh study guy he studies the game he he you know what i mean like he he is a scholar of the fight game like uh, george st pierre was he's not going to allow that same mistake to happen again i expect the first couple rounds maybe even the, the uh through the third to be fairly boring a lot of takedowns a lot of smother and cover but I think that at some point in time, Usman will open up and he will try to take advantage of some shots. If they're not there, then he will go right back to the smother and cover and then finish that in, in a five-round uh, unanimous decision. Jess, I believe we have hit our MMA for the week. We are within the, the mist, a hurricane, if you will, of combat sports. I believe there is another decent ufc next week i'm at the ufc website i should be able to just see right what is what's going on next week do you see what's going on next week marlon vera and Corey sanhagen ah, will headline the ufc fight night but that's that not until late that's not until late march um or that's not till the end of the month but is holly it? home the return of holly home hey oh. there we go I, wait a minute that fights so that no that fights next weekend right or no the 25th 
I don't know if that's next weekend or yeah. a couple weeks. A couple yeah, weeks. no, that's next weekend, dude. And then, yeah, it's next weekend. Fuck, I'm going to be out of town for that. You know, to be honest, it. that card's going to be fun. I'm looking at this card right now. Andrea Lee, uh, Macy Barber. That's going to be a fun fight. Ooh, in the, Macy's in, in back. The, the flyweight division for the, Macy for the women. Macy is back, baby. Nate Landwehr, he's, he's kind of made a name for himself. Austin Lingo is an up-and-coming guy. Alex Perez, one of my favorites. He's I love Alex fighting Perez. Cape, so there, there's Bro, some this fights. is a great card. I'm it's looking at it. It's a good card. I'm, gonna lo- I'm looking forward to dismantling this card more than I am. Bruce, Bruce Leroy's back. Are you kidding me? This card's unbelievable. Daniel Pineda's back. Look at oh, these names, man. Dog. I'm telling you, man. I am all about it, this listen, card. I am all about, about this card. A, you want to talk about a let's bang, bro. Daniel Pineda's back. All right, listen, we'll, let's keep it moving here, Jess. We got some football to talk. We're going to, again, so here's my point. We're in the midst, hurricane of MMA. We'll be doing more MMA next week. And then the following week's the pay-per-view. So you guys are going to get at least two, possibly three more shows of just hard-hitting MMA combat sports. There's also some big boxing coming up, guys. Yeah. We're, not, we're not forgetting about those, those big fights. There's nah. some, you, if you knew the amount of texts that I'm getting over this Tank Davis, uh, what's that fight? He's fighting a slimy Mexican whose name escapes me right now. I'm getting a lot of texts for that fight. So there's there's a lot of jumping off. People are excited. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of talk right now, Jess. Anytime Javante Davis is fighting, it's an exciting fight. There's, there's a fight. In the this, was, this is one of those fights. I feel bad because I can't remember the kid's name right now. But this is a fight that I believe I, believe I got to see both these guys in the ring before I know it's Ryan Garcia. I got to see both these guys in the ring before I truly believe this fight happens because this is, this is, there's a lot of politics behind this fight. But I can't wait to see it if it does happen. So a lot, a lot on the combat sports horizon. And once again, our longtime listeners, shout out to you. We know the show has always been fueled on combat sports. I stole Jesse from a combat sports show and we created that other sports show. So listen, what can I say that hasn't been said? Jess, it's football time. Speaking of other sports on that of the sports show, it's been a weird week in the NFL. The uh, Aaron Rodgers talk, I feel like it's finally going to cool down a little bit. It started to overflow a little bit. Got a little, it started to bubble over or got too hot. And, uh, and now I believe it's cooling down a little bit, Jess. I don't know where to start. I, I, I really want to hit on two or three things that we can keep moving. What are you, what are you thinking here? So, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, I honestly don't even know. I feel like it's going to happen. I feel like he's going to – there's, there's yeah. going to be a deal. He's going to go – he's going to play for the New York Jets. It's but, not a matter of, of if. It's just Yeah, when. it's when. And, and, the, the, and I can go on tirades about, like, what does Aaron actually have left in the tank? Like, yes. you know, the people around him, the, you know, the, the receiving core. Like, you know, I know that they went and signed Alan Lazard. But, I mean, yeah. that guy dropped more passes last year than, like, the pancake you know, the, the yes. pancake coach. So, I mean, kind of I, I don't really – I don't understand. It almost feels like a Saturday Night Live skit at this point in time. <laughs> like, I've heard people be like – Man, maybe New York should sign Donald Driver. Hey, where's Eddie? Lacey? I love that. Like, I I love it. It's funny, but like, we're actually hearing a guy. He's still contracted by the Green Bay Packers while playing general manager for the New York Jets, and possibly at some point in time will be playing quarterback for the New York Jets while making demands about who he wants them to trade for and sign. Which is just wild to me. This I, is wild to me. 
When, when we talk about like things that LeBron James has done over his career, like you know taking oh, over no, the teams, he gets killed about. He gets and, killed. Yeah, up. and here's Aaron Rodgers doing the exact same thing. He deserves the same heat as LeBron has over his career right now because this is like insane type stuff. Like I oh, said, this. absolutely this Saturday this. Night Live skit right now. I I think that Rodgers has is getting flack. From the people that aren't trying to kiss his ass or interview him. I think the people that he's already burned bridges with, the people that have already he's already disassociated himself from, if you will, he they're the ones that are saying, Yeah, he's being a diva. Yeah, did he really write a fucking list with o- Odell Beckham and <laughs> fucking DeAndre Hopkins? And he said, I need these guys. Before before he any even trades asked happened. for Mercedes Lewis, that guy's fifty three years old. He's been it. playing football since nineteen forty seven. Come on, the, the <laughs> touchdown machine, fucking Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> so uh, so here's my because again, Jess, there's several layers to this, but I just kind of want to start here. If you're a Jets fan, are you really, really, really happy that you got Rodgers, or have these last few weeks? kind of giving you a bad taste in your mouth already and kind of, and you're kind of knowing like okay i've seen this story on another team because i follow the nfl i know how it ended last year i know how it's ended you know whatever 14 out of 15 years um you know without a championship it's one thing if you're dealing with it and he's bringing you a championship like lebron it's another if you're dealing with it and you're whatever planned for a wild card game week 17. I think those are two different things. Um, I, 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 but Jess, again, if you were a Jets fan, of course you're not, you hate the Jets, I'm assuming. I hate the Jets. So then give me your, as a Bills fan, does this kind of make you giggle and go, I'm looking forward to watching this tomfoolery with it with the rival for my bills. Yes. If if you're if you are the Patriots who have gotten better in this offseason, they like uh uh um we've actually seen the Patriots make smart moves like they used to in the past before last year when they spent like a million bazillion dollars on players that got them like a 500 record. They're actually making smart moves, putting players in place that will actually be able to be coached by coach Bill Belichick. The Miami Dolphins have signed uh, just today. I think they signed uh, Braxton Berrios, who is a former Jet. That kid's a, he's a Swiss Army knife type player. Put him in the middle of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. That that wide receiver core is going to now be the absolute most fastest wide receiver core in the NFL. There, you it will be so hard to stop them as any secondary. And then the Buffalo Bills, who I don't think have gotten necessarily better. They're still kind of streamlining their, their offense right now. But still one of the top teams in the NFL. You're looking at what the Jets are doing, and you are laughing at them. That franchise is being made to look like an absolute fool for a player who has had championship-caliber teams for almost his entire career, but yet only landed the big fish one time. I think I think it's absurd to think that you're going to bring Aaron Rodgers in at 40 years old and believe that he's going to win you a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, but what's happening right now is we can finally, I think, make the decision 
that Tom Brady is the better quarterback because Tom Brady at that age came over to Tampa Bay and won a fucking Super Bowl with less players on that team. Still had some input, but went over to Tampa and won a damn Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has not won shit since when did they win their their Super Bowl with Rodgers back in like 2012? It was, I was going to say 12 years ago. It was forever ago. And since then, he's been a wild card out, wild card out, wild card out, NFC Championship out, divisional game, divisional game out, Descotic game. There's, uh, not, let me there's nothing in the NFL right now that makes me believe that bringing Aaron Rodgers to New York City is going to make them a championship caliber team. I, it just. Do you I, think they'll nothing. be better than the Bills next year? No. They'll be. Okay, let me finish. They, the you Jets will be finish. better than Miami. The, no, the, the, the Dolphins and the Bills will still be on top of the AFC, and the battle between the others Please. will be the Patriots and the Jets. And I'm telling you right now, this is my prediction. Way ahead of time, the New yes. York Jets Way with Aaron Rodgers will be in last place in the AFC East. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. You think they'll be? I think the Patriots will be better. Yes, I'm not going to agree with that. By the way, okay. Here's my. Uh, let me say this: We spent a lot of weeks last week, last week, last year, last football season, going. Man, if the Jets just had a quarterback, man, if they could find a way to put up 20 points, that defense is elite. I don't think they really lost anybody on defense that is going to change that defense being elite. I think that if anything, uh, now, if anything, I'm not saying Rodgers is going to be the four touchdown, 400-yard man. If you know, He's got to have some help. He's got to have a good slash great slash elite receiver. We learned that last year. But there are still some guys available. And I think the Jets do have one decent receiver. Don't they have one decent receiver who's like, yes, less than four years in the league that just hasn't had a great quarterback? I they can't have, remember. They have a couple of receivers. They they are losing yeah. Elijah Moore. I believe that he is either signed yeah, maybe that's already the guy or thinking so. Of. Maybe that's um, the guy I'm thinking of. But they still have Garrett Williams. That's who, it. No, who, he's young. Yeah, they got some guys. And they, their defense, their defense is elite. I mean, dude, drafting Sauce Gardner last year, I didn't think that that guy was going to be as an elite corner in the yes. league. He that defense is going to be stout. We spent a lot of time last year talking this specifically. That great defense, they they just need to find a way to score points because they were fucking putting up 10, 7, 3, 13. That don't win you shit in the NFL. You got to score 20, 27, 30 points to win in the NFL. That's it. That's how the NFL works. Um, Hey, there's some random uh, guys that went random places. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, Jess. I did my Grappolo take last week. Do you have any thoughts on Grappolo now officially being a Vegas Raider? I think that they they traded for a better-looking Derek Carr. That's it. I mean, he's a he is a handsome dude. He's a less handsome Christian. fool. I'm not. I can't way deny that. Christian, the guy way. <laughs> way the... I mean, maybe hey. he'll maybe he'll be a better fit in Sin City than Derek Carr. But like, nah, I mean, he but won't. as far as as far as stats, he's just a better looking Derek Carr. Come on. Yep. And I said it last week. I'll plant my flag back on it for our Raider listeners. Unfortunately, he's going to a defense that is not elite. He's going to a team that doesn't have playmakers like Debo, like Kittle. Like uh, a quick, and they traded Darren Waller. Yes, and also he's going. They don't have. I'm sorry, they don't have an elite offensive-minded coach that's forward-thinking 
like the Niners do. And I know people love McDaniels and they say he's he's he's, he's smart, but he's not as elite and he's not as, as forward-thinking as Shanahan. And you're going to now put him, uh, Jimmy G, in the exact same scenario that you put Derek Carr in, which is he is going to have to win games. He's going to have to throw three touchdowns to beat teams like the Chiefs and teams like the Chargers. And now teams that have gotten better, like Denver, even though we said that last year and I was wrong, I missed that one. Um, and so, <laughs> and so, but you're taking away the elite defense. You're taking away those playmakers. And now you're just stripping them down to just Jimmy G. He's not going to make those plays. He's not going to be that guy. And the Raiders aren't going to win fucking more than six games. I see him as a five and 12 or six and 11 team. I know people are going to say Jimmy G's a winner and I get that, but it's because he's been surrounded by winning pieces. Vegas yeah. doesn't have that. And I'm sorry. Like you said, Jess, it's not addition by subtraction. You lose Waller the baller. That's a big piece. And you're talking about Jimmy G for a long time, who was very reliant on that tight end safety valve Kittle. Trust me, boy, was he. Uh, Jess, do we have one more QB take or are we wrapping them all up and we save them for next week? Who else is out there? Who else? Um, didn't, didn't I, I just, didn't, I just, you know, I, I don't Washington think sign Brissett. Should we do a take on that? Who signed? Did Washington sign Brissett? Oh. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Where's, so there's only, there's only one quarterback that needs to be talked about right now in the NFL. And that's Lamar Jackson. Lamar did we Jackson. Do okay. So we, we, we didn't do this take last week, right? No. Okay. So this is what happened, ladies and gentlemen, right when that, uh, right when the exempt tag went on, Jesse and I were trying to figure out whether he was tradable or not. And so he, we did no Lamar takes. Here's the Lamar take. And it's real simple. Here's mine. And I've done this before. I'm not a tinfoil hat. You know this, Jess. I'm not a tinfoil hat cat. I've done this a million times. There's very few takes. There's probably like three or four takes in the history of us doing the show where I'll put on my tinfoil hat. Here is one, all right? There's collusion in this league. I don't know how it works. I don't know the logistics of it. I don't know if it's phone calls. I don't know if it's guys in trench coats in parking lots talking under their breath with cigarettes in their hands, covering their mouths so <laughs> lip readers can't see what they're saying. But I think that these owners or these GMs or someone's talking, and what they're saying is Lamar is a bad leader. Lamar is a bad teammate. And he's probably got a bad leg. He's got a bad wheel. He's not going to be the same dude that he was the last three years when he was an MVP level player. And so because of that, don't give him all that guaranteed money. You know, however you want to do it, however, that type of thing. And uh, teams are reacting. Teams are fucking reacting. That's where my head's at. And now I don't know what happens. I don't know what the end game is. He's really going to tuck tail and go back to Buffalo for, or Bob, sorry. Go Baltimore. back to fucking Baltimore for whatever it is, the franchise tag. Here, here's, God, I don't think so. Here's my I, I'm I know that this has been beat to death, but I'm just going to say it. The biggest factor in everything is you cannot be your own agent. That yep. Teams teams don't take you seriously. If you try to represent yourself and you go and you try to talk to these other teams, they have the power over you. 
when you have an agent who has a business and it's their job to represent you and go to war for you and try to find that contract for you, you just have to sit back. You sit back and let the guy or gal go and do their thing. And over the history of time, it has worked for a thousand different players. You cannot represent yourself and be taken seriously by these other franchises. They will try to get the leg up on you every single time. And when you come back to the plate and say, well, this is what I think is fair. They're like, oh, well, you know what? We don't. So goodbye. Yeah. Well, but, but to take it a step further, I keep hearing, oh, it's a, you can't, you can't have the players rep themselves, which I agree with. Because they're going to get their feelings hurt. Because they're going to be in these negotiations where negative things are said about their playing, negative things are said about whatever. They're just going to find small scabs and they're going to pick at them because that's how they're able to go. And this is why we're going to give you this amount instead of what you're asking, right? But I think it also is a two-way street, Jess. And I think because Lamar possibly is so unprofessional, he's probably saying some shit back to those uh, GMs yeah. and to those owners. And he's probably saying some shit behind closed doors. And it could be something like, yeah, you know what? I don't like the way that fucking this is ran. And I don't like the way that that is ran. And you know what? I'm supposed to be the franchise QB and I don't like the fucking lunch lady. Like he could, he could be saying who knows fucking what. And the GM and the owner go back and they talk and they go, well, fuck, I like the lunch lady. What is he talking about? What is he fucking doing? <laughs> this guy's fucking... Fuck this guy. <laughs> Fuck this guy. That's the lunch ladies work with us for 20 years. It go it's a two-way street. And yeah. it's not because, you know, just because the the GM and these guys hold their 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 lifelong negotiators, that doesn't mean they're not getting their fucking feelings hurt because it's a unique scenario. It's a it's a unique scenario brought upon the table on both sides. Where the GM and the owner have got to be like, well, fuck, we're not used to this. Is, this is different to us. And we thought we'd be able to do this, and it hasn't worked, and we've been doing it for a year, and here we are. And so this is why, again, I think that they're whispering, whispering and they're putting shit in other teams' ears, and they're putting – because he doesn't have that agent, like you said, Jess, where you got to have that rep. You got to have the have buffer. those relationships with those other GMs on other teams. Where he goes, oh, no, actually, I was just dealing with the fucking Chiefs GM, or I was just dealing with the Seahawks GM, or I was just having lunch with Carolina's GM. And I was, I have relations, great relationships with these guys. And they were asking about you, Lamar. Fuck, they, they, they want to take care of you. He doesn't have any of that. So That's, a, that's actually a super, super valid point. <laughs> but that's, that's your, to your, yeah, to your point, you're right. Just just having that buffer, and, and I like where your head's at, where Lamar will go into a negotiation and sit at the table, and he's just the only one. He's It's just him, you know? He's got and his mom there. He's got whoever there. Those you are, you are, up, against not, a, you are hmm. up against an entire franchise trying to uh, appeal to them and say, hey, this is why you need me. This is why I'm deserving of this money. This is what I can do for your franchise. But at the same time, who does he has never had a conversation with the GM of the Panthers, or he's never been to dinner with the GM, or even probably Rivera uh, uh, over in mm -hmm. Washington. He's You're never right, had yeah. these relationships. 
but mm-hmm. the agents all form the relationships over years mm-hmm. under multiple players that they have had underneath them. And they've had talks with all the GMs, all the owners, all the head coaches. And Lamar doesn't. All he sees is the playing field. That's it. All, yep. And all he sees is his money. And all, and, all is, and, and the other thing too is Lamar can come to the table and say, "Hey, man, I'm this dynamic quarterback. Look what I can do. Here's my tape." And then they, he can say, "Hey, man, I was the MVP." Well, the owners can say, "When were you MVP?" Oh, there's been like what seven other MVPs since. Yeah, you've never yeah, been no, to a Super Bowl. It, you know that Patrick Mahomes yep. has got like four MVPs, and he's been to like five Super Bowls. You know that, right? Jesse, when when he walks in with his mom. And we have this is reckless speculation, if you will. Sure. But if he walks into this negotiation with his mom, right, and they sit at the table, and the owner walks in, and then the GM walks in, and then the coach walks in, and then the fucking lawyer or lawyers walk in, right? Because they got to be there to facilitate the process. That shit can be intimidating. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and and. And he walks away from there and goes, well, why the fuck did the lawyer have to be there? Why the fuck did why, these guys don't got to be there? There's, there's so many layers to this to where it is always going to be more beneficial to have paid representatives there to help you as opposed to trying to swing it yourself. And I get you're trying to save that 10%, 5%, 8%, 15%, whatever it is, or or you've got something worked out with your mom, or your mom's like, "Well, fuck that eight percent. I don't. I'm not giving that eight percent to somebody else. That eight percent's mine. My son doesn't take care of me. I represent him. It's one of those things. It's 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 this is slippery slope. Let, just let me just let me just put it this way. Too many layers. How many millions upon millions upon millions of dollars has Drew Rosenhaus made for players and athletes? So is it top B? He's on the B? What is it B for billions? Maybe billions? billions? So yes. I'm I'm just gonna leave that argument right there and say that's why you need a representative. Yeah, and I on the same page. Hit the wrap it up button, Jess. All right, folks. There's so much more NFL offseason, and a lot of it is super petty stuff that we don't need to get into. When something yeah. major happens, we'll bring it up on one of the shows when it happens. We're not, Until yes, then, we're not going to talk about the Chiefs' offensive tackle going to the Bengals. No, nah, we don't need to talk about that stuff. There's no. There's not there's until there's like a huge trade or something that happens it's worthwhile talking about we'll talk about it then but until then we'll let the offseason play out because really nothing matters until week one. So here we go folks thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for uh, your continued support of the show. Shout out to Variety Sports Network for putting uh, pushing us uh, around on Twitter. We love you guys. Thank you very much. Follow them on Twitter at Variety underscore sports underscore. Follow Jason on Twitter at Valdez spelled backwards 559. Follow me on Twitter at JTT81. And follow the pod on Twitter at Team Toss 21. Until then, folks, we got lots of MMA and combat sports, boxing and stuff coming up for you over the next few weeks. And then eventually we'll hit some NBA action when the playoffs and stuff hit. Until then, folks, we'll see you next week. He's got...